This is not another econ podcast. I'm Ian Kaneshiro. It's a story you've heard a thousand times. You start a business, you gain customers, you generate revenue, and you grow. Then you start to need help. As your business develops, you bring on employees, sales, marketing, customer service, bookkeepers, IT, developers, the list goes on and on. Now you are finding yourselves in these day-to-day battles where you're constantly firefighting. You're putting out these fires that are problems that are by these contributors. And without the input of these contributors, you need to solve their problems. And so this takes away from the efforts that you need in order to steer the ship. And so we often talk about delegation of tasks as a challenge, but delegation of decisions is a whole different animal. Not to mention in the state of the current workplace with people working in office, fully remote and hybrid, managing people has never been more challenging. At Escala, a management consulting organization in the e-commerce space, CEO Yoni Kosminski leads the charge in helping hundreds of businesses tackle some of these very hurdles. Thanks so much for having me and what an introduction. Yeah, uh, thanks for being here. You know, Yoni, you and I have worked together in the e-commerce space for many years, so it only seems proper uh, that you are that you're on the show and you know spreading your your words of wisdom. Um, would you kind of kick us off by sharing a little bit about you know your your company and your role within the business and, and your background? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try and fire through this as quickly as possible because people aren't here to listen about my life story. They're trying to get the nuggets and the value like you very well set it all up. So the short of it is my background was about a decade or so in creative advertising and digital marketing strategy, working for the likes of Sony, MasterCard, Mercedes-Benz, Medtronic, and smaller agencies with obviously large-scale clients. About seven years ago, I had the opportunity to dip my toes into e-commerce much more heavily being an operator and, and actually growing an e-commerce business from two to five million in 12 months. It was subsequently acquired by Thrasio. And on the back of that experience, just realized that there was a lot that e-commerce sellers could achieve if they were just given the right tools, the right insights, the right resources. And that was much of what we were able to achieve inside of that e-commerce business. So fast forward to today, I'm the co-founder of three companies, uh, Multiply Me, which is an executive search and HR function. Um, where we find the very best talent, or the top 5% of it anyway, in the Philippines. We place it into uh, e-commerce businesses largely. We have uh, a joint a joint venture with GW Partners, an investment bank, and Sellers Fi, uh, a lending platform in the e-commerce space where we're investing in e-commerce businesses and growing them to exit. And I think the, the business that's going to be most relatable where I sit as a CEO at is Escala, and that is a process improvement boutique management consultancy, which is just a whole lot of big words that big corporates like to use to say that what we do as a business is we go into them, we interview shadow and review and understand operationally what's happening. We build clarity and then we build a future state and we effectively build everything out from the accountability and org charts to the right process maps to all the SOPs, training videos, documentation, and we build all those workflows to actually not only streamline the process, but build scalability into the operation. So I've said a lot of things there, Ian, so I'm going to pass it back over to you. That was as quick as I could get it. I apologize, everyone listening. No, I think that was great. Um, it's really interesting how 
you know, under the Escala umbrella, you have all these different business operations. And with your personal background, I'm sure that there's just a lot of different um, areas that you can pull on in order to help those businesses with their with their operational efficiencies. Um, and there's probably um, a lot of problems that businesses are having that you've seen before. So, and, you know, an organization like yours is probably um, a super helpful and effective um, tool to use um, as you're as you're scaling. One of the things that we spoke about a little, you and I have spoken about in the past, we spoke a little bit about before is, you know, the idea of business leaders firefighting um, and just trying to think about that a little bit more. Can you unpack a little bit about like why firefighting happens and how leaders kind of find themselves in these positions? Absolutely. Let me, let me give a tangible example here, or just let me set it up so that you understand like what you would even define as firefighting or what that looks like for the average e-commerce seller. I like to give a couple of examples. Um, you know, one example would be, let's say that you're, you're a private label seller with 50 SKUs or you're a, you're a reseller and you might have thousands, even tens of thousands of SKUs live. And we all know that there is typically, you know, a hero SKU, or if you're a reseller, you might have the top hundred or 200 SKUs and you put a whole high degree of attention on those specific SKUs because they're the cash cow. They're the ones that are really performing well and optimizing the listings and the images. Obviously you've got an automated AI repricer handling that aspect of it, but there's lots of other things obviously that go into it outside of what Sellersnap can bring. And so on the back of all of this, um, what tends to happen is, or the question that we like to ask is, you know, what would it mean for you to be able to pay the same level of attention to all of those products instead of just those hero 100 for a reseller, you know, three for, for a private label seller? And that is where typical firefighting starts is that you have all these things going on and you just get drawn back into the business without giving everything the degree of attention that you would want to do. And so, you know, we all have these grand plans of how do we actually achieve everything and more only to be forced to to step back into the business. So Ian, can you repeat that second part of the question? I mean, that's the example of, of what firefighting is, but are we looking now to say, how do you actually solve that problem? Yeah, I think you're putting the cart a little before the horse on this one. Uh, but yeah, we want to eventually get to how we're going to solve the problem. But what I'm trying to uh, what I'm trying to understand is how do leaders find themselves in this position? Like, what are the decisions? Like, what are or even like the emotions that come into play that put leaders in this position of saying I have to be the one to put out these fires? And how can we kind of break that cycle? Yeah, yeah, great question. I'd say you're all doomed. No, kid, <laughs> kid, kid. Um, also for context, guys, I have a team of about a hundred uh, full time team members, and you know. Lots of things will always draw you back into the business, but if you can build an effective system where you get the right feedback loops and the right insights, and you are staying in control of the most important things, if you're the business owner, that's obviously your cash position. Um, that's going to be something that's that's paramount. You you can find your way through a lot of these uh, critical problems, but I would draw on how do I get out of these situations? So. From the emotional standpoint, obviously, I think for most people, particularly for founders or people that have been at early stage companies, you have an emotional attachment to the outcome. You know, I want it to succeed. I want my 
presence to be felt, I'm going to hand it off to someone and it's not going to be done to the same level. And I think when you approach situations like that, then you become your biggest challenge and your biggest bottleneck if you don't have the ability to let go. And I think letting go has different, um, how would I put this? There's different levels to letting go. So it's not just, I'm going to throw my hands up and just see how things, you know, let Jesus guide me. Um, I'm I'm really going to think through and, and say, A, from my personal lens, if I can train someone or give them the processes to get to 80% of what I can deliver, and I would say like for a lot of founders and businesses, um, the first thing or rather the first thing that I tried to let go of so I could continue to focus on other areas. And I think one of the hardest steps for most founders and, and typically actually is the last step is how do you remove yourself from that sales seat? Because when you're building the business, you're usually the person who can sell it the best and articulate it. And my philosophy has always been, if I can get someone to 80% that will convert 80% as good as I can, the amount of leverage that gets me to build strategic relationships and partnerships to actually focus on the operation, to think through other initiatives, or in my case, you know, build other businesses on the back of it. That was really sort of a driving objective for me. So coming back to, you know, outside of the emotional standpoint and what I personally would, would define as success is 80% of what I can achieve. Um, it's also building that system that gives you those feedback loops. And I know Ian, we've spoken uh, at nauseam about the entrepreneurial operating system EOS, but you know, having something like an L10, the level 10 meeting once a week, where every single department is reporting on their key metrics, is talking about any issues that have come up in the business. You know, I got off mine this morning. Um, it's 90 minutes long. I know everything that is happening across the entire operation, all the challenges that we have, where we're driving toward, and what needs to be improved. So, Really long-winded answer for your first question there, but that's what I got for you. Yeah, no, that um, I think that the that eighty percent rule, if it's someone can do it eighty percent as as good as I can, is a really interesting point to to get to because you know early on in businesses we often um, we often see ourselves as being like the main person that the company is dependent on, and so I think that you know passing the torch so to speak it can be really really difficult um but if but it's it's a higher risk of a failure if you don't right um so i think that that was that's something that's really interesting i love that 80 percent rule um in terms of like we're talking and that 80 percent rule is talking a little bit about like doing a task right uh passing off an activity what about passing off decision-making? You know, you've grown multiple businesses. I'm sure that there's a ton of stakeholders in all the different businesses and you have people in the trenches and you also have um, people that are higher up calling the shots. How do you balance um, the delegation, not the delegation of activity, but the delegation of, um, of decision-making? Yeah, great question. Great question. So how, how we effectively approach it. I think it, it firstly stems from your ability to actually create clarity in, in who is accountable for what and what individuals inside of the business effectively live and die by. So how we approach it internally, and we actually have free on our Escala website, a, 
a mirror board template of how to build an accountability chart and an organizational chart. And there's a video and it's all free. But the point I make is we go through this process for our entire company, including myself, including my co-founder, my business partner. Um, you know, we go through this whole process where we're defining what are we actually accountable for and what are the areas that we focus on inside of the business and how does that align with our business metrics and goals and, and KPIs. And we actually build out this entire uh, process and sort of this step-down approach to to all of that. And so inside of that, so I have, you know, my four R's, uh, you know, I know what my responsibilities are. I know what the definition of my role is, you know, the requirements attached to what I need to deliver and, and effectively everything that I need to be doing every day to, to succeed in my role for the, for the business. So coming back to it, when every single team member has that and you understand what is inside of your scope, inside of your accountability, so too does that decision-making. So we actually bake that into those uh, accountability charts. We understand that, you know, I'm trying to think of like really simple examples. Like right now I'm sitting, I'm sitting as a dual, dual role. <laughs> um, we just, you know, uh, we need more, we need more people, but I sit as the CEO and I'm sitting as the CMO effectively at the head of marketing at the same time. And so right now, while I'll seek input from sales, from customer success, from whoever recruitment on, on what is needed right now, when it comes to marketing sign off, I'm, I'm the ultimate sign off. But before, when I had a head of marketing, they would sign off on all these things. And again, I would be comfortable to a degree in what their scope was and, and what they need to sign off on. And if it was large financial investments in events and things like that, then that would go through a process where we're going to our finance function. We'd look at the budget, we'd look at the allocation. And then if it was a, you know, a big dollar amount, then ultimately that would, that would come down to a business investment decision and would need buy-in from, you know, the business partners, for example. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, from a, from a management perspective, allowing, you know, the different heads of departments, um, to understand their roles and, and giving them the autonomy to make those own decisions is, um, is really important. But often you find that with people that want to ride, kind of climb the ladder and rise to those occasions and be in those roles, they feel really comfortable in, in making those decisions. Um, I'd like to kind of pivot the conversation ever so slightly to, um, the people that are just kind of sitting in the trenches, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, the people talking to clients, um, and, and are, who are really the ones that are, you know, pushing the, the machine along, pushing the business along also have to make decisions and micro decisions. And how do we allow for autonomy for those people as well? Are we using some of the same skills? Yeah, so so it would it would always boil down to that accountability chart, and at every level, it's being defined. But when I look at my marketing team, for example, I've got about ten inside of the team. We work through the, the traction methodology, and part of it is having these quarterly goals that are defined as rocks. And so our department inside of the marketing function has three goals or three rocks we want to achieve this quarter. And on the back of that, what, what I've gone ahead and done with my 
um, project manager in the team is we've built KPIs, attached to those objectives that are aligned with the business metrics to make sure that each individual is marked against what their contribution is to us achieving that specific rock. So coming back to it, um, you know, it's not necessarily defining their, I mean, their accountability is defined and the goals are defined against what we need to, as a department level, achieve. Um, but they also have their ability to make make decisions. And I think it comes a lot down to sort of the, the project scopes in understanding, like, what are those what are those feedback loops? And to give you an example, like I'll set, when I'm putting my marketing hat on, I'll work through and set out the strategy. So we have, you know, five different, uh, five different landing pages and on those landing pages, a really high value ebook downloads. It might be, you know, we just launched recently, uh, a job description builder leveraging AI to enable people to build their own job descriptions or a repository of 200 plus job descriptions that we've pre-built and and all of these things that are high value resources for people. So I'll set out the strategy in terms of what does the experience look like, but then I'll brief in my copywriting team and graphic design team and they'll take it to full term. Like I'll I'll just have the strategic input, but they'll they'll present effectively after the wireframing of the emails all the way through to the actual finished design. They'll be making all of those micro decisions with you know, very little input from me until there's a closer to finalized product. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I hope it did. Yeah, it does. It sounds to me like by showing a certain level of trust and consistently showing that trust will help your team, you know, be able to make those decisions and micro decisions without feeling weird. Because I know, you know, I'm thinking back to early days of, of my career and and in different jobs, you know, when you first start a job, you're like, where, where is the line and how do I, how do I find it? How do I get to it? Can I cross it? When can I do it? And all those, all those questions are constantly sitting in the back of our head. And I'm sure in the back of the head of, you know, everyone at every point in time. Um, but it sounds like what, what you were able to do is say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is kind of what I expect you to do. Go and run with it. And probably the first time, there's a ton of questions and they got feedback from you. But the second time there was slightly less, the third time less and so on and so on until um, at this point, it sounds like you're at a point where like, this is a vision and you guys know how to execute it better than I do because this isn't what I do on my day to day. And you really trust them to, to make those uh, decisions. Yeah, that's a, that's a really um, accurate analysis. And what I would say, and I think for a lot of people, doesn't matter if you're a business owner, senior leader, whatever in the company, I think one of the challenges I personally experienced when I took over marketing six months ago is that at the start, I felt like everyone was looking to me for what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? And without me turning up and being the driver of ideas, which my team have much better ideas than I do, they just didn't have the infrastructure to enable them to set them free and make all these micro and even macro decisions on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Coming back to it, we came together, we built the goals for the next 90 days. On the back of that, everyone understands where we're driving toward and the projects that are needed to achieve that that success at a business level and how our function relates to that. And so when everyone is clear on what the road looks like, all of a sudden there's less pressure put on you as a leader or as a manager in the business because it's very clear at a much more detailed level and 
people are therefore set free. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think one of the one of the things that I want to pull out of what you just said is that you said we set the goals, right? And so it sounds like your team also has input in how their success is being measured. And you know, I've really found over the years that people see people tend to work harder on things that they help create. So when they're setting the goals for themselves, it holds them accountable in a different way from both uh, from both knowing that the goal is you know, um, you know, probably a smart goal that it's measurable and obtainable. Right. But also that it's something that they want to do as well because they help create it. So I, I really loved the, the language that was, that was used there. Um, as we kind of, as we kind of, um, wrap up our, our chat, um, I want to, I want to kind of move along to a point that I'm not sure we spoke about in the beginning of this is that, you know, you are working with nearly hundred like nearly remote teams entirely remote teams um and so we spoke a little bit about you know firefighting delegating activities and um and and tasks and delegating decision making and with remote teams that can be even more complicated because it's not like you know you can always turn around to your teammate or your colleague to the right of you and and collaborate in that that really quick way what what challenges do you see um with that remote environment and how, how are you overcoming that in terms of decision-making and delegation of that? Yeah. So to unpack, to unpack the question, I would, I would look at a few different areas. Um, one, I think, you know, as a fundamental, the difference between having an in-person versus a remote team is the things that you lose in my experience from a remote team is some of those like interpersonal like relationship building opportunities you don't get those i passed them in the corridor we sat we walked and we met a coffee in the morning and and those are the things for me that that i miss when when it comes to my team specifically and um you know most of my team is philippines based so got to get over there and make a, a real trip of it but when it comes to actually like the challenges and the structure, I actually think that if you build the right systems and processes around how you operate, you can create a much higher degree of efficiency. And just to sort of point out the comment, the, the throwaway comment you had, you know, you could turn around and, and chat with someone. No, no, Lippy will tell you, my co-founder will tell you how annoying it is when we used to sit next to each other in the office at the early days of Multiply Me. And I get off a sales call, I'd be super excited about it. I chew his ear off for the next 20 minutes, at least. It's being generous. Um, and so, again, it comes down to personality types, and that's just how I'm wired. But I would say when it comes to remote teams, like having a very clear cadence around expectations. So, you know, coming back to the goals and KPIs and performance metrics and, and everything that relates to that, um, we have... When it comes to production inside of marketing, we run on sprint methodology, on scrum methodology. So every two weeks we're running sprints. Inside of those sprints, we understand what we're delivering. And much like I'm sure what happens inside of SellerSnap from a product release standpoint. So building those right structures becomes really important. Uh, finding ways in which you can create that cultural element if you're entirely remote. You know, we do things internally like uh, handing out monthly awards. We have get the game changer of the month for three of our core businesses and, and, and critical functions. And it's voted by our peers and voted again by senior leadership. And we go through this and we've built a whole, we have a culture club. We have a whole lot of um, elements that 
I would say will become more and more common to see inside of remote teams. And I think that's one of the things that you need to remember too, is that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people and we want to have fun and interact and enjoy what we're doing on a daily basis. It's not just about the tangible outputs. It's about the experience as well. So I've thrown a lot of things at you uh, there, but, but I would say like to break it down really simply, having clear structure, having regular touch points. So things like stand up meetings, you know, even for 15 minutes every other day, three times a week, uh, can be really, really meaningful. Um, building a degree of culture and actually acknowledging and, and realizing that not everyone's just in here to produce work and get on with it. And, um, yeah, coming back to it, like at that more macro level, having those goals that are visible and checked in on weekly really help set the tone for running remote teams. Yeah, that that was that was super clear. You know, it just it sounds to me it boils down to being really intentional intentional about what you're trying to do. And so, if you can execute um, everything you're doing in an intentional way, um, it sounds like you know, remote or not, uh, you'll find yourself being, being successful. Um, so Yoni, as we conclude, I just want to considering the type of people that are listening to this podcast, if you had, you know, one tip for other business leaders dealing with the challenges, like being dependent on one person or, uh, you know, the struggle to delegate, um, what would that tip be? My tip to you would be to build clarity first. So understand if it's you as a single operator of your own e-commerce business or if you have a team get a higher degree of clarity on what's happening so an example i like to give for people who are running uh, one woman or one man shows you know look at what you're doing every single hour of every single day and categorize it and put it in your calendar and start to understand where you are investing your time so you can actually build a roadmap to delegate tasks out um, I would say if you're a little bit larger and you have a team, obviously you called it out yourself, you know, having a key person dependency, if you were to lose that person, what does that mean for your business? If you, if they were to go away and not leave a proper handover doc and, and things like that. So I would say documenting those processes and approaching real, really clearly, how do you perform every action inside of the business are going to be critical things. It also enables scale as well. So that would be my tip to you. I love that. Clarity first. It's going to be it's going to be my next bumper sticker. Um, all right. Yoni Kosminski is the co-founder and CEO of Escala, a consulting firm helping e-commerce companies find, design, and implement their strategic visions. Um, Yoni, thank you for sharing your valuable insights and experience with us today. And you know, I'm sure we'll see you back soon. 